Welcome to Tamar Talks, where music is constant and discovery is endless. Now your host is ready to tell it all, Ashley Tamar! Hey you guys, what's up? It's your girl Ashley Tamar, aka Tamar. It's Tuesday, October 31st, 2017. Happy Halloween to those who celebrate Halloween. And you know you're listening to Tamar Talks Radio, episode number five. I am so excited for this one. I'm excited for all the episodes, but this one is pretty special because I am interviewing a dear friend and a fellow musician. She is fierce. She's amazing. She's God-fearing. She's a pianist. She's educated, and she has worked with amazing artists, and she has her own music out now. I'm going to let her tell y'all who she is. Her name is Natalie Reagans. Welcome, Natalie Reagans, to Tamar Talks Radio. Natalie! Tamar! <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of my Tamar Talks radio. Thank you for the opportunity. I think Dang. I'm more excited to tell your story than anything. I was writing the questions for your story, and I was like, ooh, okay, this is 20 questions way too long, so let's ooh. dumb this down. <laughs> wow, I'm grateful. I'm like, okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm honored. I'm honored. I'm honored. You were born in Atlanta, now considered a major hub for the entertainment industry. Do you feel the appreciation of the arts has changed for the better or the worse for upcoming artists and musicians in that area? I'd say it's changed for the better. Growing up, you know, being a native of Atlanta, we had performing arts schools, more so high schools. Now you have so many charter schools. You know, you have the Ron Clark Academy. And they're a dynamic school. They were featured by, um, how would I say it, the mogul Oprah Winfrey. Um, Bron Clark, he, you know, you could read all about him. His students, you know, they incorporate self-esteem, arts um, into their, you know, curriculum. And it's literally, I think, east of the city of Atlanta. That's just an example. And I have friends who now, you know, have kids growing up. They have um, these various schools that cater to that area and push kids in the arts, opposed to like when I was coming up, we had programs outside of school, but my schools were generally, you know, the regular public schools. And it, you you could get in a magnet program, you know, in high school and maybe kind of hone in on an area that you saw interest in. But now to me, yeah. And then we won't even get into like it's a hub for we all know, you know, Mr. Tyler Perry Studios now. I mean, then we have major, a lot of major films come out of the city. They've been produced, movies, I'd say. Um, I noticed that you and I have a lot in common when it comes to the advocates for education. That actually blew my mind, Natalie. I ain't gonna lie. I was like, whoa. Like, I knew she was powerful, but okay, she she got that educational spirit and that heart to educate. So what prompted you to attend University of Georgia, and why did you choose secondary education as a major? And how important or non-important was it for you to get that higher education? Well, I, I wanted to attend the school pretty much away from home. I think at an early age, I realized I liked to travel. <laughs> I 
So my mom persuaded me actually to go to a school closer to home. So that's actually how the University of Georgia happened. And I was just really, I was, I'd say a nerd in school, a cool nerd. Language arts, social studies, they were easy for me. And I was very shy growing up. <laughs> you laughing. Music, I didn't even let people know I played the piano to maybe junior, senior year high school. So it pretty much, I was in a magnet program. Actually, the field was engineering and applied technology. But this particular school we went to, it was one of the you know prominent schools in the city of Atlanta. So I wanted to attend that school. Anyway, language arts came easy for me and my mom. You know, she's from the old school. So she was like, you know, you got to get, get an education. You can get a job with benefits. So my logic was, if this music thing doesn't work out, I'll have something to fall back on. And, you know, I love kids. But would you say would you say education is was important to you outside of like your mom maybe pushing you? Because I, I agree, all of our parents I think around that time were like, you know, make sure you get an education. And I know looking back, I really applaud getting an education. Would you say like, oh, I, I carry that around with honors that I I did get a higher education? I'd say it's it's never not important for me. You know, language arts is important. Social studies, I, to me, I utilize skills learned, I guess, in those courses as far as teaching. Heck, in this job force we're in now, workforce we're in now, you have to apply social skills. <laughs> so to me, it, it did tie in. I would recommend, you know, higher education. These days, you know, there's so many ways you can gain higher education without actually being in the four walls of, you know, a school or university, if that's the track you should go. I think it's very important in my walk or path. So you mentioned you were shy and you didn't let people know you played piano to your junior or senior year, but I read that you began playing the saxophone. Were you just as shy? (laughs) I mean, you know, school, that was middle school. Yes. So what happened was I I played the saxophone and I played, well, I, didn't, I didn't add anything about sports. I played basketball a little. And my fingers would always kind of get jammed or something. Saxophone, I didn't, I was pretty knowledgeable in my mind about, you know, where I was. So I didn't think I was too good at saxophone, with the saxophone. So once I started, that was maybe middle school. And I, I began piano lessons late. To me, it was late. I was 12. So by 13, I had my first job at my church. So I dropped the sat, dropped uh, <laughs> what little of the sports. I dropped that because piano, I knew that should be my focus. Were you learning how to play the piano based off of, you know, hearing it? Or were you reading music? or? That's a great question, Tamar. I began by ear, maybe 11-ish. My mom said that she told me when I was close, she said, oh, I've enrolled you into piano lessons. I said, oh, okay. You start next week or something like that. I said, oh, okay. Me and my personality, it was pretty much the same kind of come up nonchalant. Like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> and we went, she said, don't let them. Well, that may be too much information. <laughs> Basically, she wanted me to learn all I could. The teacher, the method they taught was a pretty unconventional method. I guess to follow up with that. I took music courses in college as well. Um, basic, even with the track that I was going, they gave you like basic piano one, basic piano two classes. So reading was, you know, it's very essential. My ear is much stronger than my, you know, my sight reading. 
However, music theory, I learned that in classes, and I've also, you know, purchased supplements, books. You know, so I've had a lot of support in the area of music theory. I have him hymnals, hymn books at home, so that comes in handy. My ear, by far, how would I say, levels above my my reading skills. I mean, it's interesting because you said you you learn by hearing and you can read, and it's just interesting because when I first heard you play, I was like, you you, you sound like you're culminated in all of that, and <laughs> that I think is what makes some musicians that I've worked with stronger than others, and I, I can definitely can tell that. So after college, did you did you have a plan? Like most of us, we think we're getting out of college and this is what we're going to do. And was it a bumpy ride? Did you get an intern? Did you just kind of make those mistakes that are typical? Like, what was it like when you were trying to live out your passion now as you realize it, being a pianist and a musician? I graduated, so I had to student teach (laughs) so that you go months without getting paid. So that would be the equivalent of internship. Think once I, but I was always playing throughout college. So playing like you know at a church or gigs here and there. So I can recall once I graduated college, in my mind, if the music didn't work out, what I called worked out or whatever, it didn't work out. I'd fall back on education. So I never ended up entering the classroom on the full professional level because I guess music worked out. So my plan was to see how music was going to work out. It was that literal. And my mom was, of course, concerned because, you know, you had to get the job with benefits. So I ended up, you know, getting quite a few jobs playing in various places. I landed a church job as a musical director a couple a few years later, and it was like a, a full-time job with benefits. The irony, <laughs> you get to do what you love to do and be, be okay financially. So when you say you ended up getting this full-time job, because you say you're shy, I don't mm-hmm. believe that shyness got you that job. Was it a referral or did you, were you like a go-getter? <laughs> were you like, okay, let me see what church needs a musician? Like how, how do those jobs come about when you say you're shy? Because you are way too good for you to be like, um, so are you booking? Hey, are you, I'm sure you can attest to this. A lot of my major opportunities came through word of mouth. But no, I wasn't like head down when I was getting interviewed. I'm not shy. I'm not shy on stage. I don't know. If you, I'm sure, you know, you know, people, if you can't relate to that, I don't know if you're, I don't think you're naturally shy, but what do I know? When I'm playing, performing ministry, that's not really the time where I appear shy. And I'm not shy when I'm discussing business either. So with that particular job, um, someone called me to play for, it was, I think, women's services, women's events. And they would put together a girl's band. And I was a part of it. And the pastor began inquiring. That was the long short. Had a meeting, had you know, an interview, played a few more times. And they said, when do you want to start? I'm paraphrasing, but that's general, generally how it happened. Well, I mean, this is interesting because, like, I don't get it. I didn't get a chance to talk to you a lot when we were working together, but I guess shy can relate to coy because I am shy to some some degree. But I guess I could use the word coy now for the both of us because you know when you know your power and you know your worth. But then 
let's be real, we are women in this business. And so we have mm-hmm. to know how to tread, but then at the same time, we know closed mouths don't get fed. So we'll. Okay, so out of all the artists who have been blessed to work with you, and I say that very seriously, which artist empowered you the most and how? Like, which artist would you say, you know what, I wish I could just spend more time with this person and talk to them more, maybe even do their next project? Which artist would you say that would be? I'd say there there are two people who stand out for me, and I have been blessed with the opportunity to work with quite a few people in TV and film and certain circuits, certain arenas. I'd say, and this is a true, this is really true, and it's probably I don't know, it may sound random. Donnie McClurkin and Tyler Perry. I'm Donnie McClurkin because probably because we've had a lot of I've had tenure with him. I met him in officially maybe 2005 so you know that's 12 years ago and over the years I you know he's he has a heart being a pastor he just has a heart for people being a musician you know we we bonded easily even though you know he you know he's the he's a stickler for what he wants he wants what he wants I mean he always when we go on trips we did a lot of out of the country events so I appreciated that getting a lot of traveling he always would encourage the team to, you know, strive for greater, do better, get a better job, do, why not, why not work on your own, what's, what's, why are you sitting here playing for, you know, he's funny, like, why are you playing with me, why are you playing for me, do something else, work for yourself, so even now, I think the most recent project I had, I had the opportunity to work with, and it's called The Journey, he just, I think recently won a Dove Award last week or the week before. That was, I think it was released maybe 2016. So there's still a relationship there. He reaches out, you know, checks on us. You know, so it's a legitimate bond that was developed from way back 05. So I, I do appreciate, I appreciate those sky miles. I appreciate those connections I've made. You know, if I didn't wasn't connected to him maybe I would have traveled still. I'm sure I would have traveled still but I just like the specific connections you know I you know bonded with people in you know London Cape Town just various or more so Johannesburg um not Lagos Nigeria just people I you know I've met through association with him as far as Tyler Perry I I came in I think I was in that camp 2010 so five years later. So there's been a seven-year span in that camp. And he, you know, you can vouch, he is a living witness. He could, you know, more than tell us, he shows us what faith can do, belief in God and perseverance and, you know, being an entrepreneur, keeping your faith, believing in yourself. What better empowerment is there? And of course, there are many others, but those two stick out for me. Well, First of all, Natalie, did you say thanks to Donnie Clerkin for the for the Sky Miles? Did you just say that? I promise I did. <laughs> I love it. Oh, oh I listen. Love it. That's what's so real. You know, tours, you know, the, the Tyler Perry tours, we do a lot of tour buses. It's a different, you know, type of tour system. Donnie McClurkin, you may get a call, you know, hey, you're available, blah, 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 to go to Africa. It's a different mile system. But I, I, that's in jest. I really sincerely am appreciative of all the people I've had the opportunity to play with or the opportunities to play with and minister with, those two just stick out a little bit. 
Well, listen, on Trademark Talks, you don't have to apologize for the truth. <laughs> um, because I just want to piggyback on, I think it's just really interesting, two things. Like, who would have ever thought as a as a young girl, you would be traveling all across the country with the gospel artists? You know, growing up, we were hearing of the more, whatever, you know, like the, the older folks would say secular artists. But to be mm-hmm. able to travel with him, and I think out of all the gospel singers, his ministry in the different languages just makes me mm-hmm. cry. So what an honor. I'm just that is just amazing to hear that he is that way. And I have stories about him and he is just what you said and more. So I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> you don't have to make no excuses. I wish we could hear more of us women applaud our other women constituents like that, but that's a whole nother conversation. Okay. So Cam Newton. You on to something and I don't want to interrupt you. So I'll let you finish. You're on to something with that. I like that. Yes, ma'am. Well, I it appreciate is talk. Yeah. It is, and I mean, I was just, like I said, I was so excited to interview you because it leads into the next question. As women and as women of color and as educated women of color, there's a lot there that describes you. Do you feel like what Cam Newton went through with the female reporter asking him a certain question and he made a a comment? To me, I didn't think it was a, a sexist kind of comment. I think it was just he was paying homage to the fact that Women reporters are not as educated and articulate when it comes to sports. We're seeing that transition, but let's be real. A lot of people are not ready for that. But when it comes to you, do you still feel that when it comes to you being a musical director as a woman, an educated woman, a, you know what I mean? Like, do you feel that sometimes? Have you have you had an incident where someone has said something that makes you be like, er, wait a minute now, hold up. Absolutely. <laughs> All the time. I remember that incident. I, I saw some footage about the Cam Newton incident. Apparently, there there is a backstory that that wasn't the first encounter. You know, I didn't take it as a big deal either. But then I'm hearing this, you know, it is a back, little backstory on there. But as a woman, absolutely. In this field, male-dominated field, 